Hey there, my name is Billy and welcome to this week's message from the Greenville Vineyard. A uh, quick announcement, uh, if you attend our services in the park each week, uh, we will not be in the park tomorrow, 31st of January 2021, because it is going to be raining all day. So worship will be exclusively online and you can uh, catch us there at 11 a.m. on Facebook. So let's get started into this week's message from our series where we've been talking about the journey so we've been going through the series where we're looking at um, life as a journey and specifically the life of the follower of Jesus Jesus invites each one of us to embark on a journey with him and we've been calling it the kingdom journey the kingdom life journey and what happens is when you begin to follow Jesus you don't just have a cognitive belief system that you adopt in your head you begin to actually live a different life you begin to change the trajectory of where your life is going and you head towards a place where Jesus wants it to go ultimately it's the new heavens and the new earth and ruling and ra- uh, ruling and reigning with Jesus here on on that new created heavens and earth but in the meantime it's about learning to be a part of God's family uh, adopted brothers and sisters of Jesus adopted children of the father uh, people filled with the holy spirit as we begin to advance the kingdom the goodness and the ways of God here on earth. That's what we're invited to as we live in the journey. And so we were just looking at different aspects of the journey over the past few weeks. And this week we're going to be looking at the subject of changing course. Or if you think another word of turning around. Um, the biblical word is repentance. So you know, what is this notion? Uh, basically, the best and a really easy way to describe it that all of you know about is if you are heading out of state, you're on a journey, you're driving somewhere and you turn down the wrong road and you start heading in a, in a different direction. What does our, you know, whatever uh, GPS system you use, is it Waze or, a, or Google or whatever it is, TomTom, uh, it'll quickly tell you, please turn around. It'll ask you to change course. It'll ask you to turn around from the direction direction that you're on and head back the way. Sometimes it'll give you an alternative route which is actually a little bit longer to go where you're going but that's not what we talk about. Most of the time when we go down the wrong route especially on a long journey it'll ask us to turn around because alternative routes are normally way way too long and are going to take us much longer to get to our destination. And you know the journey of the follower of Jesus um, is a little bit like that. You know, if you're going on your route and you begin to turn around and you go back in the opposite direction and do what the GPS tells you to do, in a sense, you've repented, you've changed course, you've listened to the message of the GPS, and you've turned around your journey and headed back in the direction it wants you to go. You've repented from your previous course of action. Um, in the in the Christian kingdom life, if you like. Um, we all understand the notion that when someone first becomes a follower of Jesus, when they first become a Christian, that they they repent, they turn from their old life, and they begin to walk towards Jesus into a new life. We Most of us understand that. But what a lot of people don't think about, what a lot of people don't consider at all, is that, you know, the journey of the Christian, the, the, the journey of the kingdom life of the follower of Jesus is, is one that should be regularly incorporating repentance. Repentance should be part of your journey. Changing course should be part of your journey because we're fallible people. 
Um, we go down wrong roads all the time. So, and when I say repentance needs to be a part of your Christian journey, I don't mean you you get to the end of each day and you fall down on the ground and you start crying about sins you've committed and stuff like that. Although some sins do need you to fall down on your face before God and repent and cry about it. But by and large, most of the time, what living a lifestyle of repentance of course correction basically means this means this is that you live a life where you allow the holy spirit to be your gps if you like but about every area of your life where you allow the holy spirit to consistently direct you in the route that you're going and you are consistently allowing the holy spirit to ask you to change course to convict you about a certain course of action, to highlight something to you that you're doing or a road that you're going down, uh, a particular in you know business idea that you're changing. You just feel that the presence of the Spirit say to you, hey, how about you not do that? How about you try something else? And listening to that voice and cons- consistently obeying it and changing the course of what you're doing, the decisions you're making, is in, in essence living a lifestyle of repentance. This is really important for the follower of Jesus. And so to highlight the importance of the concept of repent, you know, I'm going to pray in a minute, and then I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 3 and Matthew chapter 4, two short passages, and uh, we'll get into some ideas after that. Why don't you pray with me? Father in heaven, thank you so much that you love us, that you want us to be on a great journey. Jesus, that you came to make that possible. Holy Spirit, that you empower us to do so. So I pray for each one of us today that as we listen to this message, that if there's some sort of course correction we need to make, that you would highlight that to us in this message. Guide my words today, Lord, let them be from you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So you can follow on screen or you can open up your own Bible, but I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 to 3 and then I'm going to jump over to the next chapter Matthew chapter 4 I'm going to read from verse 12 and it goes like this In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near this is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah a voice of one calling in the wilderness prepare the way for the Lord make straight paths for him Let's jump over to Matthew chapter 4 and it says this from verse 12. When Jesus heard that John, John the Baptist, had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee. This was shortly after his baptism and filling of the Spirit. It continues, it says, Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah, Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. So he's come and he's given that message of repent. Then directly after that, which is, you know, the gospel's first record of what he said. And you see this, this whole aspect of turning course, changing course, repenting. They were like the first messages that John the Baptist 
and Jesus preach to people. And you see Jesus living it out because he, he preaches repent. And then when he sees um, Simon fishing, he comes up and he says, come follow me. In other words, turn from your current life, turn from your current career, come follow me and I'll make you a fisher of people. So in these texts, Matthew is really highlighting something for us. He wants us to see something. He wants us to understand that core to the ministries of both John the Baptist and Jesus was the challenge for people to change course, to repent, to head in a different direction, to turn away from the journey that they they were on and to pursue the kingdom of God instead. So what does that mean for you and me living our lives today in this modern world? You know, what sort of things do we need to repent from? What sort of things do we need to change our courses in? So I'm going to throw three things out quickly and then we'll just uh, do a little bit of ministry time at the end of it. So the first thing that we need to change course from this is this. We need to consistently be repenting from our sin, repenting of our sin. So sin comes in all shapes and forms, doesn't it? You know, um, there's so many things that are sinful, like big, big sins, like adultery, cheating on your spouse, murder, you know, big sins that affect people that crush lives. Right down to simple little sins that nobody even thinks about. Like, for instance, you're going down the interstate. Uh, you know, the speed limit in different states is different. So, like, most of South Carolina, it's like 65. Some places, it's 70. When you are speeding, if you're going 80 miles an hour down the freeway, uh, you're breaking the law, which, in essence, is a sin. Right Now, none of us cry, goes to bed and cries cries about that and I do you are because it's a sin that everybody commits and everybody is going to commit it's just it's 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 like it's just a weird thing but we all know that you know you know when you drive it's about being safe going with the flow traffic blah blah blah. I'm not going to get into that but you know there's the whole aspect of this there's big sins and there's little sins there's sins that are constantly turning us away from the, the good walk that Jesus is inviting us into, um, the sin of gossiping, the sin of being easily offended by other people, the sin of harboring bitterness, of not forgiving people when they've hurt us, of bullying people, of just treating people like they're not worth something. Lots and lots of sins that all of us commit every single day. And so... The core for us as followers of Jesus, if we want to be genuine, if we want to live into everything that God has created us to be, because that's the gospel. The gospel is about saving us from our sins and forgiving us, yes, about eternal life, yes. But it's about us being empowered to be all who God has made us to be. And if we want to live into that and become that, we have to consistently be allowing the Spirit to shape us, to convict us of all these little sins and the big sins that we commit. Like if we treat servers in a restaurant badly, even though we claim to be followers of Jesus, then the Spirit begins to speak to us. You should treat that person better, even if their service is of, of a bad quality today. Or your spouse, you're going through a bit of a time in your marriage where you're just winding each other up and you just want to be mean to each other. And the Spirit quietly says to you, no, that's not right. Because the Bible says what? Love your spouse. And what does that mean? That means that even when you don't feel it, you treat that person like they're lovable. You treat them like you love them. You treat them in a loving way, 
even if you're not feeling it. Why? Because they have intrinsic value. They are a son or a daughter of the living God. And so you have married, in a sense, a prince or a princess of the king, and you need to treat them as such. Little sins, all the time, then eke into our lives. And so as followers of Jesus, we just have to say, hey, Holy Spirit, is there some sin I'm kind of indulging in right now that I just need to move away from so that I can grow into being all that you have made me to be? Um, And that's just a prayer you need to pray regularly. A lot of people use different forms of prayer systems, Ignatian prayer systems. If you look at all those different prayer systems from the day Jesus went back to be the Father right up to now, all of them incorporate some form of, of, hey, confess your sins for the day, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal those sins to you, and ask the Holy Spirit to empower you to move away from those sins, to treat people better, to view people in a different light, to give people more dignity, to ensure justice happens, to treat the Lord's earth the way He wants it to be. Whatever it is, whatever God convicts you of, you begin to change and say, yes, Lord, I will I will change the course and change my behavior because I want to be all that you've made me to be. I want to continue on the right direction in this journey of life. So that's the first one. We need to continually repent from our sins. And that needs to be a Holy Spirit-led thing. All right? So I'm not telling you to go and try and live a life of guilt. That's not what we're talking about. It's about learning to be all we were made to be, to be freer, to to live in the grace of God. Okay, so it, this is a lifelong thing. You know, I don't, I don't think any human other than Jesus ever lived who never stopped sinning. You know, it's just it's just something that's ongoing. It's it's about sanctification. It's about growing. Okay, so inviting the Spirit to tell you where you need to change course when it comes to behaviors. Second point, the thing that we need to repent of regularly is our idolatry. What do I mean by idolatry? Well, idolatry is basically anything in our life that we put before Jesus. Anything that we begin to decide that that thing is more important to my life, to my well-being, than following Jesus is. And so as we begin to place those things in over the top of Jesus, make those things the big things, that becomes an idol. And, you know, back in the day that was easy to figure out because in early biblical times, idols were just all the other religions because they actually had physical statues that they would worship. Um, But idolatry is a deeper thing than that. Idolatry is anything you worship. Nowadays, in the Western world at least, very few of us will worship an inanimate object most people don't do that but we all worship things all the time we worship our money don't we we worship our ideologies our political ideologies we worship people we worship our celebrities we worship our boyfriends or our girlfriends we worship we worship our husbands or our wives we begin to put all our hope and our 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 dependence on well-being or, and, and peace into something. We think we think that's the thing that I need in life that's going to make me happy, make me feel worthwhile, make me feel significant. Some, some people even worship their work, their jobs. And so what happens is we begin to, even followers of Jesus do this all the time, we begin to make these things more important to us than Jesus. And what they do over time is they corrupt our faith. And they begin to shape us into being 
people who call themselves Christians, but when folk look at our way we're living our lives and the decisions we make, they realize Jesus doesn't seem to be number one in that person's life because whenever it's about that that particular thing, their job, their spouse, their money, all of a sudden, whatever the Bible says, whatever Jesus says, that goes that goes secondary. That thing rules their life. That is idolatry. You know, I'm going to tell you a secret. Most of us have go-to idols. Most of us have go-to idols. Most of us will have something that we're always tempted to put more hope in for our happiness. Um, In our culture, it tends to be the person we live with, the person we love, our spouse, or it tends to be our money. Most of us like, if I could just have enough money, my life would be great and easy and everything would go well. And we work hard, we struggle to get that money in, in that hope. All the while testifying that we trust God for his provision, that Jesus is all that we need, but our behavior is telling us something totally different. And so we just need to figure out what that is. And so whenever we're honest with ourselves and we sit down and say, Jesus, where are my idols in life? Often it's one of those things, you know. Some people, they, it's their cell phone. You know, they just spend way too much time on those things. Finally, the last thing that I'm going to talk about today is we need to repent and change course from our distractions. Life is full of distractions, isn't it? And this is where I stumble personally a lot. Okay, this is this is kind of like where I struggle, you know, where I always feel God is challenging me all the time. It's like I get easily distracted in the course of life from my journey of Jesus by things. Um, many of you who know me know I live in an older house, so you know lots of lots of fixer upper stuff of stuff has gone on around here. Um, but I, I hate fixer upping. You know, I hate doing stuff like that. So I'm often distracted by about, oh, you know, I wish I had like a, a luxury ensuite bathroom. That's kind of my dream, like a nice big soaking tub, one of these big spa showers to walk in. But you know, I'm in an older house. So it has a small thing. I have everything I need. You know, my house is great. But I often get distracted by these things. And I spend a large amount of my time, my free time, you know, going on the internet, looking at other houses. Oh, can I afford to move? Can I just, and I just, I'm wasting my time a lot of times. And I'm not being present on the things that God's asked me to be. So sometimes I'm not being present enough with, you know, my spouse. You know, my family always challenges me. They're like, hey, dad, if, you, if you're like, focused in on something, you you know, whatever it is, you're looking at something on the internet and one of us is trying to talk to you, you're in the zone, you don't even hear what we're saying. And so I often have to apologize, like, I'm so sorry. Because I get easily distracted into things that I like and things that I want. And um, I'm like everybody else, you know, I want the good life. You know, I want to have nice things, I want to have a nice car, I want to have a nice house. And so often when, you know, life gets stressful, I start to dream about these things. And you know, a distraction can quickly become an idol. So I, I begin to drift towards that. And then the Holy Spirit comes and gently says to me, hey, I've called you to something else. I've called you to follow me. And one day I can make all things right. You don't need to try and get everything out of this life because life is eternal for the follower of Jesus. And then I have to change course. I have to get back on track. Say, okay, yeah, I've, there's a calling. God has called me to follow him, to serve my family to serve the church, to be a great neighbor. All these things, all the while having Jesus front and center. 
So lots of things like that. So I don't know what they offer you. What are you distracted by? What kind of things get you worked up and take you away from the main and plane of following Jesus? Sometimes it's even a Christian idea. You know, I know lots of Christians who get hung up on uh, different theories. Uh, you know, this little verse over here, you know, they get hung up on like, oh, there's this promise over here for God. If you do this, he's going to bless you financially. So they make their whole life about that. And it's like, yeah, that's... You can't really use that scripture that way. People get distracted and they go down all these rabbit trails and it and it kind of disrupts their faith. It, it sets their journey off course and they're not really moving towards what God really wants them to be or who God wants them to be. So those are the three things today. We have to continually change course from the sins that we commit all the time. We have to continually change course from the idols that we set up in our lives and the other things that we put hope in instead of putting our hope in Jesus. And then we have to be aware of the things that distract us from all that God is asking us to be and to do. And so I'm going to end this message now and I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit to come and speak to you and to come and speak to me and to highlight one of these things. And I invite you to be open. I invite you to be receptive. If you're someone that's not a Christian, I invite you to... Give your life to Jesus right now. Say your best prayer. Say, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Forgive me for all my sins. Fill me with your spirit and help me to change the course of my life and move towards you. If you don't know how to pray a prayer, hang on. There's going to be a slide that will come up at the end of this. and uh, You can text Jesus to a number and we'll send you a prayer. We'll get in touch with you and help give you some information on how to do that journey. So whatever position you find yourself in in life, I encourage you to... Just be sitting in an open posture and let the still small, still small voice of the Spirit speak to you right now. Holy Spirit, would you come? Highlight what we need to turn away from. Now, for most of you, something would have just popped into your mind right there. And I encourage you just to go with that. And commit to changing course from whatever the Spirit has highlighted to you right now. Some of you can sense the, just the peace of God right where you are, where you're sitting. I encourage you just to rest in that and be there. And don't rush away from it. I can sense it right now here in my basement. God wants to bring us peace, even though we continually need to repent and turn away from things. He loves us. You know, if you've surrendered your life to Jesus, you are in right standing with him. It's not that he's looking to try and rebuke you all the time. It's not that. He's just wanting to help you be the best you can be. He loves you every day and wants to draw near to you and encourage you and help you. He's not a God far away, the big stick looking to hit you. He's that. It's just a loving dad who wants to walk with you, build you up and strengthen you. Let him do that by the power of the Spirit that's present in you. So stay in that moment as I close in prayer. And uh, let me speak this over to you, over you. The Lord bless you and keep you. 
The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Thanks for listening and goodbye.